Okay, good. So, like we have, you know, announced, we're looking at um, speaking in tongues, and we want to do a refresher course on this. So, what this simply means is that we have done this. We did this sometime last year in March. Actually, we did a Bible study on in March last year on this same topic, and um, what we are doing today is a refresher course. Uh, refresher study, I beg your pardon, a refresher study. So what this means is, um, beg your pardon, what this means is we want to go over some of the things we've learned and also, yeah, want to go over some of the things we've learned and then also learn new things, um, I believe. So go over some of the things we've learned and then learn new things. So thank you everyone again for joining us. Um, we we were going to have a beautiful time. Apologies, I'm just trying to set some things right. Okay, good. So a two-part refresher study on speaking in tongues. And um, for some of you, this is already um, a common knowledge, something you've been practicing and you've been working in for a while. Um, for others, this may be like the first time, you know, or not. Um, oh, thank you, Dara. I just noticed that as well. And so Mixelar is back up. Um, thank you. I I noticed I hadn't started on Mixelar, but thanks for for notifying us. Okay. So um, for most of us, for some of us, right, we already you know have knowledge of this, and we have been practicing this for a while. Um, for others, this may be new. But whatever the case is, it's so important we remind ourselves on setting doctrines um, because they are foundational and they are very helpful. Also, this study would serve as a guide to help helping us explain this concept to other people as well. So part of the things I've, I found myself or part of the situations I found myself in before um, is a situation where I know something is true, but I don't know how to explain it very well. And so what studies like this do is that they give you um, they give you the facts to help explain your conviction to other people. You know, sometimes you may practice certain things and may be so used to practicing it that you've forgotten why you practice it. And even the elementary um, explanation of it sometimes just keeps your mind. OK, so what this study aims to do is to refresh our minds on the practice of this um principle and why we why we are why we do what we do why do we speak in tongues in fact is speaking in tongues even godly is it from god are you people not just faking it are you not just coming up with your own words and all of that so we want to use this study to go through some of these things and also establish our faith and um definitely practice what we talk about all right so for today's study i want to start off by establishing it doctrinally okay and then um, by next week, we will now look at the practice, the day-to-day -day practice of this, okay? And this method is consistent with how Paul um, writes his epistles, because if you read, when you read his epistles, you know, Philippians, Ephesians, Romans, and, and rest, he typically starts off by explaining doctrinally what he's talking about. And when you read Ephesians especially, you see how Paul explains um, explains our position in Christ and the grace of God, the dispensation of God's grace and all of that. And then from that's from chapter one to three, 
And um, from chapter four to six, we then see him explaining practically our responsibility in all of these and how it applies to us, okay? So I want to take that approach and establish doctrinally, first of all, what we are doing and then um, look at the practical side afterwards, okay? All right, so let us proceed. So two scriptures we're going to start with, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 18 to give us our anchor. Um, please, before we continue, I just want to make sure um, everyone is good. So if you can hear me and see me, please let me know. If you cannot hear me or see me, also let me know. Um, I mean, for those of us on Zoom, if you can see me, just give me a thumbs up. If you're on Mixelar, um, you can hear me, give me a thumbs up and let me know you can hear me. I uh, just want to take that pause before we continue. Okay, thank you. I see thumbs up from Emily. I see, okay, good to go. Thank you. Okay, because I know. All right, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to verse 18. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 18. If you are there, please go ahead and read for us. Anybody on Zoom that is there, please go ahead and read for us. Mark chapter 16. Verse 15 to verse 18. Anybody? Okay, let me do the reading then. So Mark chapter 16, from verse 15 through to verse 18, says, And he said unto them, this is Jesus Christ now, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth, verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. So Jesus Christ says for everybody that believe, first of all, he says we should go and preach the gospel to all creature. And he says that every person who believes, there are certain signs that would follow them. And these signs he begins to mention here are not exclusive to any special anointed person. Do you get what I mean? It's not exclusive to anybody like in a fivefold ministry or in any form of special ministry. These signs are not exclusive to those who have um, sown a, a particular amount of, of money into, into the kingdom of God. No, these signs are available to everybody who believes. So if you have received Jesus Christ, you believe in Jesus Christ, the following signs are, are available to you, okay? It should be your experience. And then he goes on to say, and there are five signs here that he lists. He says, number one, in my name shall they cast out devils. So the authority to cast out devils is available to everyone who believes. Number two, he says that they shall speak with new tongues. They shall speak with new tongues. So the, the ability to speak in tongues is not exclusive to a few people, right? It is available to everyone, okay? Then thirdly says, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any, any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. So first thing says, they shall take up serpents. It's not necessarily referring to physical serpents, all right? But, you know, Jesus Christ says late, um, in the book of Luke, that I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Okay, so and it says and over every um, 
um, authority or over every power rather of the enemy. So he talks about serpent here, is referring metaphorically to demonic spirits that you would pick up, you would take up serpents, meaning you have authority over this um, demonic spirit. Then he says they shall, and if they drink anything dead, if they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. Meaning there's divine protection for us. And then lastly says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So the ability to pray for people to be healed and they shall be healed. However, our emphasis here is on is on the in verse 17 where it says, and they shall speak with new tongues. So there is such an experience that Jesus Christ himself referred to as speaking in new in tongues. And um, this does not mean that if I was an unbeliever and then I become a believer, what happened is that my language will change. So instead of me swearing or, or cursing, right, my language will, be called, will change. Yes, there's a place for that, but that's not what this verse of scripture is talking about. Um, also, it doesn't just mean that um, if, for instance, I wasn't very literate, then because I gave my life to Christ, automatically my vocabulary will be supercharged and enhanced. No, that's not what it, what what that scripture is talking about. Because you see, Peter um, in the book of Acts, right? Peter wasn't learned. Um, the Pharisees recognized that he wasn't learned. However, they knew that he was with Jesus, so he didn't suddenly just get a master de master's degree in English or in in Greek or any language simply because he gave his life to Christ. Okay, so that's not what the tongues here means. Obviously, it means a supernatural experience. And why do I say so? Because everything that Jesus Christ lists here are all supernatural experiences. So the speaking in tongues here could not or cannot be an exemption. He says these signs. So when he says they are signs, obviously means they are experiences that are not common to everybody. If they were common, it would not be a sign. You know what I'm saying? If, um, for instance, if you go out on the street and you see somebody working on his hands, that is a sign, it's a wonder. You would look at a person and, and be like, wow, what's going on here? Because naturally humans don't work on their hands. We work on our feet. If you see anybody working on his hands or her hands, then that is an abnormality. It's, it's something rare. Okay, so when Jesus Christ says this sign shall follow them, what he was saying is these experiences will follow these people Right? And these experiences are not common experiences. And he goes on to list, number one, that they shall cast out devils. It is not common for human beings to talk to spirits and spirits will respond to them or talk to, to devils and devils will go. That is not a natural experience. It is supernatural. Then the next thing he lists is they shall speak with new tongues. So speaking in tongues here has to be a supernatural experience for it to be listed, um, to be numbered among this list. So Jesus Christ says they will speak with new tongues, okay, as a sign and, and, and that's as, as a supernatural experience, all right? So that is one of the, um, I mean, this is our first scripture and, I, and where I want us to start from, that Jesus Christ himself said they will, we would speak in other tongues, we'll speak in new tongues. And we'll go further to see what new, what tongues mean in this case, but I just wanted to establish this foundation, all right? So second scripture we're looking at is Acts chapter 1, verse 8 to 9, and then we'll look at chapter 2, verse 2 to 4. All right, so Acts chapter 1, verse 8 to 9. You know, one of the things I have learned over time is the fact that um, certain things could be common, but yet 
not understood. Do you get what I mean? So people could, for instance, um, Holy Communion is, is very common. I mean, there's hardly any believer that hasn't heard of it, but many believers still don't understand. If you ask them to sit down and explain what it means, they might not be able to. Um, giving or paying tithes or you know giving to the poor helping people might be common you know we know it's a good thing to do but many people might not be able to explain why it is good or explain why the bible says we should do it or even if the bible says we should do it at all all right so when it comes to topic like this i want i loved us to go you know verse by verse scripture by scripture to establish certain foundations so that when we practice it we have a rich understanding and our practice is effective Okay, so Acts chapter 1, verse 8 to verse 9. Again, this was Jesus Christ speaking. Um, let me start from verse 7, actually. The book of Acts chapter 1, verse 7. So, and he said unto them, that's Jesus Christ now said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his power. Jesus Christ was basically saying there are certain things that are within the authority and the jurisdiction of the father. And it's not your, it shouldn't be one of the things you should worry about. Just as a side note, let me say this here, that this is also why you should run away from anybody that is trying to speculate the exact date Jesus will come because Jesus never gave us that date. And there's no provision in scripture that tells us the, the exact date he will come, nor even gives us the parameters to predict the exact date. Yes, Jesus Christ tells us the signs that would um, be that would manifest during the end times and how we would know that his coming is at hand. But, you know, that date is within the authority of the Father. All right, so let's move on to verse 8, which is our emphasis. So verse 8 says, but ye shall receive power. So where, while there are things that are not within your control and you shouldn't bother about them, there's, however, something that God is going to give you that you should experience that you can experience right now. You don't need to wait um, till a, a further or a future date. He says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So Jesus Christ says, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you will receive power. And that power would, would sponsor your activity of witnessing. Okay. Now let us go to chapter two, verse four, to see what happened when the Holy Ghost came. So as in chapter one, the Holy Ghost had not yet come. Um, in chapter two, the Holy Ghost came. All right. So let's see what happened. Acts chapter two, verse four. Chapter two and verse four. All right. So Acts chapter two, verse four says, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were filled with the Holy Ghost. What happened next was they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see the, an example again from, from the early disciples, right? that when the Holy Ghost came upon them, they, were, they began to speak in other tongues. Just to establish the fact that speaking in tongues is definitely biblical. Um, the scriptures talk about it. 
the disciples experience it. And we're going to look at several instances um, later in today's study. All right. So they, they um, sorry, verse four says they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, meaning that it was a supernatural and spirit sponsored experience. It wasn't an experience that they could do on their own. It was an experience that was sponsored by the Holy Spirit. And just like we saw in Mark chapter 16, that it was it is a supernatural experience. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural experience. Okay, so having established <clears throat> a foundation with these two scriptures, I want us to look at um, speaking in tongues prophesied in the Old Testament. And why are we even doing this? Why are we consulting the Old Testament? Because if you, you know, when you study the Bible and, you know, um, even to establish doctrine, um, the law and the prophet has to have confirmed an experience that you, we are having in the New Testament. And when you read the New Testament, even Jesus Christ himself um, in the Gospels kept on referencing, you know, the books of the law and the prophets, okay? And in fact, he told the people that Moses prophesied that a prophet like me will arise from amongst you. And he was saying that to justify his coming and his presence, you know, as the son of man. When you read um, um, several experiences in, in, the, in the gospel, you see where the Bible says, um, Jesus Christ will say, is it not written in your law? Or it says, it's not written in the prophet. So he kept referencing what was written in the what we now know to be the Old Testament. And this is a healthy way of establishing an experience, right, um, and doctrine. So we want to see what the prophets have prophesied about this experience. And let us see if it ever, you know, matches what we what we are currently experiencing or not. And, um, you know, let's, let's establish that foundation. So let us go to Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 30. There are other scriptures to, you know, reference this in the New Testament, but I believe this is one of the clearest scripture um, that talks about this. And even in the fulfillment of the prophecy, it was referenced as part of the explanation. So Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 30. Let me also just state here that I would make this slide available to us so that if we, you know, if you ever need to do a study with anybody or with any group, I am happy for you to use um, the notes from this slide and do that, all right? Um, but however, I would make the slide available at the end of next week, so we have everything together, all right? So Joel chapter 2, verse 28, the book of Joel chapter 2, verse 28, um, Joel is after... Joel is after Hosea, yes. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to verse 30. All right. <clears throat> verse 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward. So this was prophet Joel, you know, prophesying um, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And the importance of this prophecy is lies in the fact that up until you know the holy ghost came the spirit was not poured upon all flesh the spirit was poured upon select people okay um for the most part it was poured the spirit of the spirit of god came upon kings prophets priests um you know judges and then 
you know, selected people to do some work, um, either skillful work or, or any other thing that the Holy Ghost selected them to do. So it wasn't a common experience to have the Spirit poured out upon everyone. And you now understand why Moses said um, that he wishes everybody could be a prophet like he was. And Moses said that um, when, you know, God asked him to call to select 70 elders, that he, God was going to take from the spirit that was upon Moses and put it upon these 70 people. And so on this particular day of, um, let's say, impartation, there were two people that were not in the camp at the, where, where the impartation service was happening. Yet the spirit of God fell upon them wherever they were. They were not together with the rest of the people with and Moses, but wherever they were in their own various places, the spirit of God came upon them. And Joshua, being a very zealous young man, he was he was angry and he told Moses, I said, Moses, can you imagine two people were absent from this solemn assembly, yet they, they are prophesying and the spirit of God is upon them. Can we tell them to stop? And Moses made a very powerful statement. He said, he wishes, Moses said, I wish that everybody was like I was as a prophet. What that means is he wishes everybody could have the spirit of, of God upon them the way these 70 elders had. But that, and that was a valid, uh, valid and prophetic wish, uh, like I would love to call it, because Moses was foreseeing a time where the spirit will not just be available on few people, but will be available to every single person. Okay, so it was an it was it was it was something. If you think about it in light of the of that dispensation, it was almost unfathomable that a prophecy came and said the spirit will be upon everybody. How would that even happen? What will it look like? Will we all be prophets or 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 or, or teachers or kings or priests? What would that even become like? You know. So that was why this prophecy was very significant, especially in this in the time at which the prophecy came. Okay, so let's continue in verse 27, 28. And I'll pour, my, my, pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young, sorry, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my, my spirit. Another thing to note again with this prophecy is that it covered every gender, every class of people, every you know status bracket, every age bracket, it covered it. So it was there was literally nobody left out from this prophecy. Verse 30 says, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Let me just add verse 31 and 32 to finish that chapter. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord has said and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Praise God. So this prophecy talks about the spirit of God being poured out upon all flesh, where there is no exemption, there is no bias, there is nobody left out. The Spirit of God is available to every single person, okay? Now, I want us to go to Acts chapter 2 to look at the manifestation of this. First of all, to even look at, because let's assume for now we don't know if this prophecy came to pass or not. So let us look at what happened on the day of Pentecost, and then we'll see if the prophecy was, you know, fulfilled or not. So let's go back to Acts chapter 2 and look at the record of um, the, the early apostles. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 15 to 18. You know, I was thinking about this earlier that, you know, some of our teachings are sort of training inclined, if you get what I mean. Um, they are, I mean, well, it's called Bible studies, so I guess that's what it, what it is. We are looking in depth, you know, verse, verse by verse to establish the validity of our experience. So Acts chapter 2, um, verse 15, did I say 15 to 30? Nope, that is not 15 to 30. That should be, that should be, um, sorry, that should be 15 to 20, not 30. Okay. Acts chapter, um, chapter 2, verse 15 to verse 20, not verse 30, please. All right, so let us read that together. Um, I'm reading from verse 15. It says, for these are not, okay, no, let me start from verse 14. All right, um, and at this point, the Holy Ghost had fallen upon them, um, come upon, upon the apostles. They began to speak in tongues, and like many people, right, they wondered, are these people drunk? You know, they were saying so many things and probably acting funny, and the, the onlookers had to wonder, are these people in their right mind? Are they okay? You know, look at the look at what's going on. This is we've never seen anything like this. So Peter tried to give an explanation. No, not tried. Peter gave an explain, explanation to what people were witnessing, and there's so much to glean from his, from the explanation. Okay, but we'll just look at verse 15 to 20. So let's know from verse 14 now. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them. Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my word. So listen to me. Verse 15, for these are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing that it is only but the third hour. So Peter was saying that, no, no, you guys calm down. These people are not drunk. Because think about it, this is just 9 a.m. That's the third hour. This is just 9 a.m. It would take somebody really, really, under so much sorrow to get drunk by 9 a.m., okay? So Peter said, if this is, first of all, it is too early to even be drunk if that's what you're considering. <clears throat> and he goes on to say, um, for this are not drunk, for this are not drunk as he supposed, but, um, but the third hour of the day, he says, verse 16, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So in explaining what was happening, Peter said, what you are looking at, what you are witnessing now is what the prophet Joel prophesied about. And then Peter begins to quote the exact scripture we just read. Verse 17 says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, said the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days out of my sorry, apart in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon in, moon into blood, because that great and notable day of the Lord come. Okay, sorry, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. So Peter was basically saying that what you guys are witnessing now is the fulfillment of what. The prophet Joel prophesied about, and 
what you are witnessing is not is not is not drunkenness. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. So this is to show that yes, Joel prophesied about it, and it did come to pass in Acts chapter two. And I and I I say again that it is actually still being fulfilled. So it is currently being fulfilled. This is an ongoing fulfillment of prophecy that even to today, God is pouring out His Spirit to every single person who is willing and open to receive. And the spirit of God is being poured out and is being available to every single person. Okay, so the Old Testament <coughs> prophesied about it, and then it was fulfilled in the book of Acts, chapter two. And like I said, we are still experiencing the fulfillment of this prophecy even till date. All right. Okay, so I hope that you know establishes a good foundation for us. Now, what I want to do next is to show us from the New Testament, right? Um, several instances where people got filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke in tongues. But before we do that, let's attempt to define what um, speaking in tongues is, all right? So I put up a definition here and I hope it will help us. So I said here that speaking in tongues is a supernatural enablement given by the Holy Spirit to believers so they can communicate in a different language for which there, were, there was no prior education. And I put in brackets, either divine or natural language, all right? And I'm gonna explain why I said that, but let me go over the, the definition one more time. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural enablement given by the Holy Spirit to believers so they can communicate in a different, either divine or natural language for which there was no prior education. Now, why I said divine or natural language is, language is because in the experience of speaking in tongues, we have instances where people were inspired by the Holy Ghost to speak in a language that currently exists on earth, meaning a natural language, language rather, even though they naturally don't know how to speak that language. So let's say for instance, let's assume for instance now, I travel to Germany and then we are praying, we're all praying, well, I'm speaking in tongues, we're praying. And then after, after maybe the person beside me just listens on to me speaking in tongues, right? And then after the service comes to me and says, maybe it comes to me and you know, speaks German and says, oh, Guti Morgan, that's the only thing I know in, in, in German. And then I, 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 you know, the person asks me, I says, oh, oh, thank you very much for what you said. And I'm wondering, oh, what did I say? Person, you said, oh, when you were praying, I was, I was listening to your prayers. And I say, but I was praying in tongues. I don't even know what I said in that sense. And the person will say, oh, really? You are actually speaking German, right? Um, and I say, and I'll be like, oh, wow, I was really speaking that. And the person goes on to maybe tell me what, what I said because that they understand German and that's their language. So that experience is possible and has happened over, time, over and over. That has happened so many times. In fact, the first experience of the disciples speaking in tongues. Let, let me just read that for us in chapter two. Actually, this is what the Bible says that, um, and when this was noised abroad, sorry, um, Acts chapter two, verse six, it says, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in their own language. So there were 120 disciples in the upper room when they when when the news about what was going on spread around, people came 
to look at what was going. And they were amazed, they were surprised because the onlookers heard the disciples speaking in their own languages, even though their languages were very different. And this was the this was a um, the period of Pentecost. So different people had come to Jerusalem, right? Different people had traveled from different parts of the world to Jerusalem, and they spoke several languages. However, when the Holy Ghost came on the disciples and they began to speak in tongues, these onlookers heard the disciples speaking in their own languages. Okay, and verse seven said says rather, and they were all amazed and marvelled, saying one to another. Behold, are not all these are not all these which speak Galileans? So they were saying, all these all these people that are speaking are they not Galileans? It's almost like saying, are all these people that are that are, are speaking? They are they are from let's say Nigeria or they all speak English. How come we can hear them speak our various languages? Verse eight says, and how hear we every man in his own tongue wherein we were born? Then he goes on to list the various languages. Persians, Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cap Cappadocia, in Pontus, in Asia, in Phrygia, in Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in parts of Libya, about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes. I mean, the list goes on and on. So there were over 15 people who heard the disciples speak in their own languages, okay? So it is possible for um, someone to speak a language that they never learned under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And out, after that um, period, they may not never know how to speak it, okay? You know, and I, I read in Kenny Higgins' books, experiences of missionaries that went to other cities and while, say, they were praying or in a, in a service, they were inspired by the Holy Ghost speaking tongues. And what they thought as it was just tongues and they didn't understand what they said, the other people heard and understood it because that was their language they were speaking in. So it's possible in some instances for people to speak in natural, <clears throat> sorry, speak in natural languages under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, even though they never learned that language. All right. And of course, the more common one is speaking in a divine language where it's, this is not a human language on earth. It is a divine language that no hum, nobody humanly understands unless the Holy Ghost gives an interpretation, you know, by his spirit, of course. Okay, so let me read this definition one more time for us. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural enablement by the Holy Spirit to believers so they can communicate in a different language for which there was no prior education. So this is not me coming to say, for instance, if I speak Hausa, I come and we're praying and I, I begin to speak Hausa, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm speaking in tongues, um, except if the Holy Ghost inspires me to do that, but I already know the language, so I can easily do that, okay? Um, so yeah, just wanted to explain that. All right, so the second thing I said here is that, um, is that speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. So there is an experience called the baptism of the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit. Okay, and um, I'm not, we wouldn't go deep into that today, but I would just read one scripture to explain, help us explain this experience. Um, John chapter, chapter, chapter 7, 
John chapter um, John chapter seven, verse thirty-seven. All right, John chapter seven, verse thirty-seven. Please, if you do have questions, you can um, you can drop them in the chat, and um, we would answer them after this, or just note them down so you can ask. So John chapter seven, verse thirty-seven says, "In the last day, and sorry, in the last day, that great day of the of the feast." Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Verse 39 now gives us an explanation of what Jesus Christ was talking about. But this spake he of the Spirit. So the rivers of living water Jesus Christ was speaking to, he was referring to the Spirit of God. He says, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on Jesus should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So verse 39 really gives us, gives us the explanation that um, Jesus Christ was referring to the, to the Holy Spirit when he says, out of your belly will flow, will flow rivers of living water. And he says that at this point, the Holy Ghost was not yet given. And remember when we read the prophecy of Joel, right? We saw the fact that um, Joel prophesied that a time is coming where God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. So this is what um, the book of John is, was, is telling us in this commentary, that at this point, the spirit was not yet given. So at this point, the prophecy of Joel was not yet fulfilled. And it says the Holy Spirit was not given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And the glorifying of Jesus comes from the, his death, burial, and the ascension, where he ascends and seated at the right hand of the Father. Okay, and I wish we had a lot of time to ex explore all that Peter explained in chapter 2, because he Peter explained the glorification of Jesus in chapter 2 of Acts, of the book of Acts, all right? But we're going to leave that for today. So there is that experience, and we see that Jesus Christ spoke about it in Acts chapter 1, that you receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Then in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they were filled with the Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues. So being baptized or being filled with the Holy Ghost is the experience we are referring to, okay? When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and he, he's, he saturates you. And this is different from, from, from giving your life to Jesus Christ, okay? And again, there is a difference, but I would not, that's another topic, so I'm not going to go into that, okay? So back to what, what we're saying here is that the Holy Spirit, sorry, the infilling of the Holy Ghost or the baptism of the Holy Ghost has an initial evidence, and that evidence is speaking in tongues. So everyone who got filled with the Holy Ghost started speaking in tongues. That is not the only evidence, but that is the initial evidence of speaking, of sorry, of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay, so having said this, this leads us into the next uh, and the last part of this um, today's study. We want to explore scriptures in the New Testament where people got filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke in tongues. And you will see that almost every single time that people got filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues at, at the very least. Some prophesied together with that, other spectacular things, but the, the main evidence and initial evidence we see was that they spoke in other tongues, all right? So let us start. We have about five 
um, five of these instances. So we'll just go over them quickly and see how much we can cover. Yeah, we should be able to cover all of that before our time is up. Okay, so New Testament instances, pardon me, that should be instances. New Testament instances of people being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. All right, but before I continue, I want to be sure that we're all together. So I would love us to give a thumbs up, drop a comment in the chat. Let me know you are with me. Are you following me so far? Let me know what is interesting to you at this point in time. Let me know if um, we are all together on the same page, all right? So if this was like newscasting, this is where we would call commercial break, just to hear, get feedback. Okay, thank you, Ogolua. Ogolua, I see your thumbs up. Um, any other person, let me know you're together. You can drop a highlight or something that you know stands out for you. If you're on Mixeller, I'd love to, hear, to know you are, we are together. Um, so please give me a thumbs up or send a drop a comment. Tell me I am with you. I understand. I am here. Let me know we are all in this together. Okay. Oh, thank you, Nonso. I see your thumbs up. Any other person? Um, for those of us on Mixeller, I'm still waiting for our responses. Okay. Amazing. I see. I see a message on mixed LR. Yes. Okay. I say thumbs up. Thank you very much. Thumbs up from you, Dara. Okay, good. All right. So then let's proceed. So we just want to look at about five things. Oh, sorry, five instances of people in of people in New Testament who got filled with the Holy Ghost and um, they spoke in tongues. All right. So we want to look at those five instances. Number one, we have pretty much looked at it, so I, I wouldn't bother reading all the scriptures. Um, number one is on the day of Pentecost, where they got filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Bible clearly says that they spoke in other tongues. Let me just read, for emphasis sake, verse 4 of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So once they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they began to speak in other tongues. They began to speak in, in tongues, all right? Um, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Meaning they did not cook up what they were going to say. They didn't say, they didn't come together and say, you know what, I'll say Shabbat Shabbat, then I'll say La La La, then I'll say, ah, that's in I hear. I used to hear my pastor speak one tongues. Um, ra, ra, ra. Okay, so I'm going to say shaba shaba la 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 ra ra ra. No, they didn't do that. They were they spoke as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Okay, as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. All right. So um, also I want us to look at chapter sorry verse thirty two, two verse thirty four of of where we just read, Acts chapter chapter two, Acts chapter two verse thirty two says this. Jesus has God raised up, whereof we are all, um, sorry, one minute. Okay, so it says, this Jesus has God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being at the right hand of God, exalted, and having received the, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, has shed forth this which ye now see and here, for David is not ascended into the heaven, 
But he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. What I want to point out from here is in verse 33, where it says that having received, sorry, therefore being at the right hand of God exalted. Remember John chapter 7 lets us know that, let us know that the Holy Ghost had not come at that time because Jesus was not yet glorified. But now in Acts chapter 2, verse 33, Peter was saying, he's saying that therefore, now that he, Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of, the, of God, being exalted, the word exalted there also means glorified. He now says he has, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth what we now see. Meaning he has shed forth the Holy Ghost and this experience that we are all witnessing. So what the glorification that Jesus Christ had not yet achieved in John chapter 7 was now achieved at this point in Acts chapter 2 verse 33, okay? All right, so next example or next in instance is um, the people at Samaria. So let's turn to Acts chapter 8 and we'll read um, some verses to help us understand what happened there. Okay, so Acts chapter 8, um, verse 14 to verse 19. Um, now, they, so let me give us a background. At this point, the disciples, so at this point, right, um, the disciples had undergone, like, gone through so much persecution. They had just killed Stephen, one of their amazing brothers and persecution hit the church. And so they scattered abroad from Jerusalem and they, you know, literally scattered to different parts and different cities. And like, as we later come to find out or in retrospect, they now saw that this was God's way of pushing them to fulfill the great commandment because the great commandment was for them to go to the ends of the earth. However, they were so comfortable in Jerusalem and God allowed persecution to, you know, scatter them abroad so that they would spread the gospel eventually. So at this point, um, Philip had gone to Samaria, okay? And he had gone to preach the gospel. He had gone to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and people were saved. However, they were not filled with the Holy Ghost. So let's start, uh, start a reading from verse 14. And this, this, before I continue reading, this shows us that it's possible for people to be saved meaning that they are saved, God lives in their heart by the Holy Spirit, but yet they are not filled with the Holy Ghost um, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. They have not experienced what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? So look at verse 14 of Acts chapter 8. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. So yes, they were saved, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. Look at the, um, look at the, well, comment in verse 16. It says, for as yet he has, he was falling upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So up to this moment, the Holy Ghost had not fallen upon any of these believers. There were believers because they had received Jesus Christ. They believed on him that confessed him to be Lord and Savior, you know, and they were saved. But at up to this moment, the Holy Ghost had not fallen upon any one of them. That's why the church sent Peter and John to these people. And the first thing they did in verse, verse 15 says, who when they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. 
So if believers are born again, of course, right? Uh, but don't speak in that, but haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's still something lacking. It doesn't mean they are not believers and it doesn't mean they will not go to heaven. No, the requirement for me going to heaven is believing in Jesus Christ, receiving him and believing in him. So yes, they will go to heaven if, you know, they die at that point of Jesus Christ comes, you know. However, there's still a, an experience that God has prepared for every believer. And that is the experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's why verse 16 says, um, for as yet the Holy Ghost was falling upon none of them, only that they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Verse 17 says, then laid their hands on them. That's Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Verse 18, when, and when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay my hands, lay my hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. You know, Simon, as a as a sharp guy, you know, looking for every opportunity to monetize things, right? And this is Simon, Simon the sorcerer, right? Um, he saw that this was a supernatural experience where you just lay hands on people and pray for them, and they receive the Holy Ghost. He was wowed by it, and he said, "You know what, guys? I have some money here." Let's, let's do a business. Give me this power, ability you have, and I'll give you money in exchange. And you know why Simon could think that way? It's because Simon was used to magic and used to sorcery. And in magic, you can exchange money for signs. Okay, so you come and meet a, a, a witch doctor, and you tell the witch doctor, uh, I want X, Y, Z, and the witch doctor says, okay, bring um, bring $1,000 and I'll do this for you. So Simon was used to that practice. And by the way, if, if you read from verse one, you'll see that Simon believed and became saved. Okay, in fact, verse, um, verse 13 says that Simon himself believed also. So Simon believed and basically, quote and unquote, believed the gospel and was, was, a, was a Christian or was a believer. But the, the, that's... Um, was it called the the mindset he had from um sorcery okay he had not let go of it his mind had not been renewed so he approached the things of god with the mentality of magic okay and then of course the disciples never permitted that but i read this whole scripture just to show you another instance of people receiving the holy ghost and then speaking in tongues okay so this is our instance number two all right let's go to instance number three um, instance number three is that of Paul, who was formerly um, known as Saul. So this is Paul who eventually wrote um, two-thirds of the New Testament and we won't see his experience. So still in the book of Acts, let us go to Acts chapter 9, verse 10, and 10 to 18. Acts chapter 9, verse 10 to verse 18. Okay, so this is a bit of a read. So just follow me as we go gradually. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus. Background story is that at this point, Jesus Christ had appeared to, to Paul or Saul now on his way to Damascus to persecute the Jews. And then when Jesus Christ appeared, the light was so bright, the glory was so, was so illuminating that Paul's physical eyes got blind, got blinded, right? And metaphorically or ironically his spiritual eyes opened 
Okay? So the physical eyes got blind, but his spiritual eyes were, excuse me, were open to see Jesus Christ. Okay? And then all of that. So look at verse 10 of Acts chapter 9. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire of the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayed, verse 12, and had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Verse 13, then Ananias said, then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of how this man, of, of this man, sorry, how much evil he had done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Basically saying that this guy has authority from the highest you know, powers to kill anybody that bears the name of the Lord or calls upon the name of, of the Lord. And verse 15, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my sake. Verse 17, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house. Listen to what he says. He said, and putting his hand on him, that's putting his hand on Paul, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So um, Ananias said, two things I have come here to do. Number one, I have come to pray for you so that you receive your sight, meaning your eyes will be open. And secondly is that I have come so that you receive the Holy Ghost. Okay? Verse 18, and immediately there fell, there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now, let's end our reading there. So in all of this, it doesn't categorically say that Paul began to speak in tongues, all right? However, we can deduce that, and I'm, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 14 now, but we can deduce that because Ananias said, I've come to do two things. I've come that you would receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And in verse 18, it lets us know that immediately um, Saul's eyes were open. He received his sight and he arose and was baptized. So we know that he received his sight and we can infer that if he received his sight, then he also received the Holy Ghost because those were the two things Paul, sorry, the two things Ananias said he had come to do. And why can we infer so? Because when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, let me just read that quickly. We see Paul saying this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. Paul himself said, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than ye all. So Paul was talking to the church in Corinth and saying, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So if you accumulate the whole church's um, measure of speaking in tongues. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. But at what point did he receive the Holy Ghost to speak in tongues? It was at this point in Acts chapter 9 when Ananias prayed for him. All right. So this is the inference we have for 
Paul, and this is our third, <clears throat> our third instance. All right, okay, so two more instances to go. <clears throat> the next we look at still in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to verse 48. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to verse 48. All right, <clears throat> verse 44, Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Again, background story to help us. Um, Cornelius was praying and then he, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and asked him to, to basically send for Peter to come and you know, tell, speak to him. And so Peter came with some of the disciples um, and they came to speak with Cornelius and his family. So let's look at what happened in this particular instance. <clears throat> Acts chapter 10, verse 44 says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. So Peter was still speaking, talking about Jesus Christ, talking about how he, he was son of God, how he died and resurrected. And in the middle of Peter's conversation, okay, the Holy Ghost, I mean, we had what we call, what I would call a Holy Ghost interruption. The Holy Ghost didn't wait for a special time to say, oh, right, let me pray for you. Like in the case of the people at Samaria, where the apostles laid hands on them and prayed upon them. In fact, this point, at this point, it's almost as though the Holy Ghost was in a hurry. Right? The Holy Ghost didn't wait on for, for any special location. The Bible says that while Peter was yet speaking, the Holy Ghost fell upon all them which heard the word. Look at verse 45. And they of the circumcision, all right, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. So up to this point, there was no experience where a Gentile, meaning a non-Jew, got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. There was no experience like that. So this was the first time they saw a non-Jew get filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other, in other tongues, okay? And the people that followed Peter, who were also Jews, but believers as well, they were so surprised that this was happening. And look at verse, verse 46 says, for they had, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So how did the Jews know that these people had received the Holy Ghost? They knew because they heard these people speak in other tongues and then they glorified God. All right. So in this instance, while these people were receiving the word of God, immediately the Holy Ghost fell upon them. And even though they were non-Jews, they began to speak in other tongues because the Holy Ghost came upon them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost or they were baptized in the, Spirit, in the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues, okay? Um, so this is uh, our fourth instance of people being filled with the Holy Ghost. And then we continue reading and says, um, basically they continued, you know, went on to be baptized in water and it was reported to the rest of the believers. Okay, so we see another instance of, people speaking in tongues. And while we are, the reason why we're going through these experiences is to see from scriptures for ourselves that speaking in tongues is a biblical New, New Testament experience. It's scriptural, it's biblical, and um, it is of God. Okay, so our last, sorry, our last, um, excuse me, our last um, instance here is that of, Give me a minute. Is that of 
the disciples at Ephesus. So this um, still the book of Acts, chapter 19, verse 1, 2, verse 7. The book of Acts, chapter 19. I'm going to read. Okay. Mm, so I want to read. Okay, let's start from verse nine, 1 to 7. Then I'm, I'm going to go to, to chapter 18 to, to help explain some things. So Acts chapter 19 from verse 1 to verse 7. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. So Paul, this was Apostle Paul now, came to Ephesus and he found certain disciples, all right? And he said to them in verse 2, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Again, this is to show us that it is possible for people to believe, that it's possible for people to become Christians and yet not be baptized with, in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Because Paul came and he met disciples, right? And he said that, oh, have you guys received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And this is what they said. They said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there is any Holy Ghost. You can imagine that in all these people's discipleship, they never even heard about the Holy Ghost. And let me say, it will amaze you till today that there are certain people like this, that yes, they believe in Jesus, they are born again, but they have never heard of being baptized with the Holy Ghost. They don't even know that there's an experience of speaking in tongues um, that is available to every believer. For some other people, they have been wrongly thought Sorry, they have been wrongly taught that speaking in tongues is not for the believer or speaking in tongues is not of God or speaking in tongues ended in the days of the apostles. That's what some people have, have been taught, okay? But for these disciples, it was the fact that they had never even heard that there was any Holy Ghost, okay? Now look at verse three. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? Before I go to verse three, the reason why these disciples had not heard of the Holy Ghost is because the person that preached the gospel to them himself didn't know about the Holy Ghost, at least as at the time where he preached to them. And how do I know this? This is where I said we're going to reference chapter 18. So just a chapter before, that is Acts chapter 18, look at verse 24. Acts chapter 18, verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures came to Ephesus. So Apollos was eloquent. He had words. He could speak. You know, you know, you know what we call, what we typically say, aspire to perspire to acquire. He, yeah, he was sweet with his words. He could convince people. His words were smooth. And I believe that was something that God had embraced him with naturally. All right. So Apollos was eloquent, was an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures. So he could quote scripture, bam. If you tell him, what does the Bible say about eating food? He'll give you 10 scriptures. What does the Bible say about praying? He'll give you 25 scriptures. What does the Bible say about anything? He was, he was, he was grounded. He was kind of person in, in school. They were called Spiricoco. The guy was, he was deep. He had, he was, you know, what we call walking Bible, exactly. He was that kind of a man, all right? And he was minding scripture. Look at verse 25. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. So he was diligent and this was no fault of his. He was diligent. He taught the things of the Lord 
but there was a limitation. Look at what verse 25 says, the last part. He says, knowing only the baptism of John, of John. So all the zeal that he had, his knowledge was limited to the baptism of John. He did not know about um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He only, his knowledge was only limited to the baptism of John. And because you can't give what you don't have, all he could do was teach people and train people in the baptism of John. And look at verse 26, and he says, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, all right? Whom, when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the word of God more perfectly. Now, there are two other disciples called Aquila and Priscilla, husband and wife, and when they heard Apollos preach, they knew that this guy was passionate, he was zealous. The only thing is that his knowledge was limited. So what they did was that they called him aside and they expounded the word of God more appropriately. All right, it says they, they expanded unto him the word of God more perfectly. So they showed him other dimensions of God's word that he was not informed about. And I believe, even though it was not clearly stated here, but I believe that part of what they expounded to him was about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why do I know so? Because if you read the later um, epistles of Paul, you see that Aquila and Priscilla were friends of Paul and um, they taught about the Holy Ghost as well. Okay. And um, all right. So, so that is what I just wanted to give us an explanation or a background story about. So when you see that these disciples at Ephesus did not know anything beyond the, the um, baptism of John, it was because the person who taught them, that's Apollos, at that time, didn't know anything beyond the baptism of John. Okay, so let's go back to chapter 19, verse 3. You know, this is a Bible study, so we have to read, read the Bible, okay, or study and study the Bible. That's what we do. Okay, so verse 3 says in of Acts chapter 19. Now we're back to Acts chapter 19 and verse 3. It says, and he said unto them, um, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Verse 4, then, then said Paul, John verily baptized with baptism, with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. All right? And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with other with tongues and prophesied. So Paul explained to them and said, you know what? Yes, John, John, John came with the gospel or with the, with the baptism, and that baptism was just the baptism of repentance. And if you really listen to John, well, John spoke about Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ comes to baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And after, after explaining all of this to, the, to these disciples, Paul laid hands on them, and the Bible says in verse 9 that, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke in other tongues. So again, we see that when the Holy Ghost came on these disciples, the resultant, the resultant effect was that they spoke in other tongues, but it didn't end there. It says that they also prophesied. So we see a constant experience in all these instances. And that experience is speaking in tongues. For some, they spoke in tongues and glorified God. Or some, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Others just spoke in tongues. But, you know, the common... There's this thing in mass called um, highest common factor, right? And HCF, exactly. So the common factor in all of this is that they all spoke in tongues. So we have seen, and this is the point where I say, 
I hope with this point of mind, I have been able to convince you and not to confuse you that speaking in tongues is biblical, speaking in tongues is of God, and it's an experience that is available to every single believer. All we need to do is to receive the Holy Spirit. All right, so we're ending here and we will continue next week to look at the practical aspect. So one look at why do we speak in tongues? What happens when we speak in tongues? Or what are some of the benefits of speaking in tongues? You know, and also I want us to clarify next week because people say that um, one of the, the excuses people give is that, oh, speaking in tongues is a gift. So only when the Holy Ghost comes on you before you now speak in tongues. And so I'm going to clarify that, what they mean and what's, what really the scripture says. Um, you know, the, the experience of speaking in tongues for a personal edification versus the experience of speaking in tongues to minister to people. And some people, you know, read First Corinthians 14 and says, well, the Bible says, don't speak in tongues unless you can interpret. We're going to look at all of that um, and explain it next week. But all I wanted to do is to establish as a foundation this week why speaking in tongues is of God and then the instances from scriptures that we have of speaking in tongues. Okay, so at this point, I am open to taking questions. If there are, I would love to hear from us. So do we have any questions? Please feel free to ask any questions at all. Um, no question is a dumb question. Just ask it and we, by God's grace, we will provide uh, clarity to whatever you, is being asked. Okay, so you have any questions, anybody? Maybe you heard somebody say something, um, or you know, maybe you've you've always thought about speaking tongues in a particular way, and then you are not really clear about it right now. Please go ahead and ask. I would love to take questions from us. Um, if you're a mid-seller, please go ahead and ask your question. Just type it in the chat, and I will read it out and um, will answer it by God's grace. Question, question. Good evening, Pastor Victor. Good evening, everyone. Hi, good evening. I joined in very late, so but I did hear uh, the concluding part of the teaching, and I have a question. Mm -hmm. I know I, I I see a lot of people teach people how to speak to speak in tongues, which I don't really find appropriate. But you know, when you meet them to maybe correct them or let them know, okay, this is not how you should be. They usually have excuses so i just want to know is there like any scripture backing the fact that it's okay to teach people to speak in tongues thank you interesting thank you so much and um, before you go let me ask so when you say teach people to speak in tongues are you saying and because i've not personally experienced what you're describing i've not seen someone do that so i want to clarify are you saying the same way i can teach somebody french um that there are people that attempt to teach people in that way how to speak in tongues is that what your friends? Uh, so, uh, so there are some who okay, give them, um, should I say, syllables or words to say, words to utter. They mm. just say ba ba ba, just say ba 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 ba, and then they start saying that. Just just let it flow. Just keep saying that, let it flow. So it's the way they mentor them, and next thing you know, they start speaking in tongue, which I don't really feel is inspired. Okay, so. I get you. I get you. All right. So let me answer your question in a simple way. First of all, there is no biblical precedence for that in terms of saying, telling people what words to say um, to get them started in speaking in tongues. 
There is no biblical precedence for that. When you look at the book of Acts, um, you see that they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that is what we see. Speak, people speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. Okay? Um, however, you can encourage people to, for instance, if I'm praying for someone to, to get filled with the Holy Ghost, many times people are shy because it's a first-time experience. They're not sure what they're saying is correct or not. So what can typically happen is you encourage them to say whatever they think it is not right, but it is in their heart to say. So just encouraging them to let out whatever is in their heart. So yes, that is okay. But in terms of telling people, say, la, 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 or blah, 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 to get started, I don't see any scriptural precedent for that. Okay, and it can be very risky because pe people, and, and by the way, this, this question even reminds me, um, someone some, some years ago told me that part of the reason why she was just not, it, we're talking about speaking in tongues, and it was a very interesting conversation, that why she's not just feeling this whole thing was because back in school, um, somebody was, you know, trying, trying to get her to feel the Holy Ghost, was literally just sort of almost like forcing her to talk, and it was an, an uncomfortable situation. So in order to just get out of the person's trap, as it were, she just formulated some words and said it so that the person would let her be and she could just go. But, for, but she really did not speak in tongues if she was honest. She just formulated the words and she, you know, she spoke that so that the person would let her go. And so that's one of the dangers of us trying to tell people what to say is that we may end up giving them, starting them off on a, on a canal note in terms of um, on, on a flesh, in the flesh rather, giving them words to say, whereas it is the Holy Ghost that should inspire us to in, in the words we say. You get what I mean? So there's no biblical presence for that, but we can encourage people when we pray for them to just let out the words come because it's typically, um, for most people, they are not very confident at that instance. I hope that answers your question. Does it? Okay. Okay, good. I see your thumbs up. Thanks. All right. Um, any other question, please feel free to ask. Any other question, feel free, feel free to ask. I am somewhat foreseeing that we might have a third, um, we might have like a third part to this because I'm thinking of a couple of questions and I don't think one study will cover that. But yeah, just ask anybody with any other question, feel free to go to ask. Okay, no question. Thank you very much, everyone. Please drop in the chat while I conclude. Kindly just drop in the chat one thing you learned or anything that stuck with you today. Um, just drop in the chat and let us know. Let me know what you learned today or what your eyes were open to. Just anything that, that came to your heart, just let me know, okay? Um, before we conclude, before, before we close, and while we're typing in our learning moments, I would love to welcome anybody who is joining us for the very first time this is your first time joining our bible study um, please let me know just let us know where you're joining from and who invited you and um, you know just introduce yourself basically anybody like that join us for the very first time on mixellar or on zoom please introduce yourself just let us know your name let us know where you're joining us from and um, let us know who invited you so just let us know what city you're joining us from? Anybody like that? If you're on Mixellar, you can just type in 
these things I've, I've said and let us welcome you appropriately. Anybody like that? Okay, while we wait for anyone to, you know, introduce themselves. Um, Faith, kindly post um, in the comment section the link to join prayer cluster. So we have a prayer cluster. We have what we call prayer clusters, basically a prayer cell, a group of people coming together to pray once every week for 30 to 60 minutes. And it's been fantastic and amazing so far. I greatly encourage everyone to join. So please, if you are not yet part of a prayer cluster, I encourage you to join a prayer cluster. Um, the link will be shared shortly. Please do that and you will be blessed. Okay, I still haven't seen anybody type in what they learned. Um, Tosin on Mixelar says, I look forward, he says he's looking forward to next week's Bible study for the interpretation part. Amazing, I, I'm also looking forward to it. Okay, let us pray as we conclude. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful for today. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for giving us understanding. We thank you for wisdom. We thank you for helping us to look at um, this very important topic on speaking in tongues. We ask, dear Holy Spirit, that you continue to, you know, explain this to us more, further, more and more, and that you also empower us to to explain it to other people, to bring clarity to other people as well, that your, 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 the influence of your kingdom will spread through our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, everlasting Father, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, thank you, everyone, for joining us. God bless you. We will see next week, um, same time next week, same link, and um, like I always say, the same Holy Spirit. So God bless you all. Have a wonderful evening or remaining part of your day.